Welcome back to the podcast. Evan and I just got back this morning from a camping trip. Also a scouting trip. Also a what gear should we buy trip. Yep. You're in the market for a new sleeping bag. How long have you had? It's a North Face furnace rated to 35 degrees. Wow, you did your research on that. I just happened to look at it and I thought, no, let's let's get an idea of that. Ironically, I don't know the name of mine. Mine's a Marmot. It's about 15 years old and it's rated to 15 degrees. But yours is not very warm. No, it's not. Um, my philosophy when I bought it was I don't want to be camping when it's freezing out, so I'm not going to buy a swing bag to facilitate that. <laughs> <laughs> Disincentivize cold weather camping by not buying which has meant that i'm only freezing whenever i camp yeah well we had a couple cold nights in wyoming and you can always add more clothes when you're in the sleeping bag mm-hmm. and if you're cold enough or if it's cold enough then you're not going to sweat it'll be fine but if it doesn't get cold enough you're going to wake up sweaty and miserable and we were it was so cold we had, we had an extra sleeping bag too. Didn't we have like a yeah, sleeping bag Yeah, I would just down? bring a comforter. <laughs> we had, yeah. yeah. We had the sleeping bag down. We had, because uh, we had we had all of your stuff in Wyoming. Yeah, car camping. So we didn't have yeah. to worry about uh, space or anything. So we had um, the air pads down, air mattresses down, then a sleeping bag, then our sleeping bags, and then a comforter. It was awesome. Yeah. It was hard to get out of bed on those, or out of the, yeah, bed is probably a, the more yeah. apt term uh but that was nice but when you're doing alpine hunts you're doing non um car camping yeah it's tough you want something that's gonna work yeah well yeah and i think what spurred this was i made you use my swimming bag when we we're in denali <laughs> and it was freezing like we'd wake up and there was frost in the tent and you were like how do you even survive <laughs> i felt bad for all those times we've been camping and it's been cold outside that thing is not it's not rated for that, and it's also old, and so it's. Yeah. I don't. I don't know at what pace or what rate sleeping bags degrade. I think but, like the down ones degrade faster. Yeah. Because they just lose their loft and silver. Yeah, I'd heard that or read somewhere that you're supposed to store them in a not a stuff bag in mm-hmm. a larger bag that keeps it from uh, dispersing or keeps it from degrading yeah. or whatever. But uh, yeah, so. Well, what are you looking at? Well, I actually just ordered a, um, because, you know, the 4th of July sales. Yes. Um, It's a, I think it's the Marmot Lithium. Mm. It's rated to zero degrees and it weighs like just under three pounds. Nice. What's, uh, you probably don't know the dimensions on it. That was another thing that some of those are nice and they're rated to low temperatures, but they're bulky. Yeah. And they're heavy so it's finding that nice balance of something that's going to fit into your pack you can get a nice once you start going for longer expeditions or a longer period of time you have a nice sleeping bag but if it's bulky in there you can't you know that's like a day's worth of food the difference in the bulk yeah yeah we'll see i don't know i just kind of figured you know thinking about this moose caribou hunting trip we're going to do in september that like you know, because it was a difference of probably like eight ounces, half a pound. So it's like, well, should I go for the 15 degree bag for a little bit? But I was like, am I going to notice half a pound? It's probably yeah. worth it. Yeah. And the nice thing about when we go camping together, we're splitting the stuff. It's not a one person where you yeah. have to take the tent plus your bag plus the everything. We're splitting a lot of that. 
Um, so that'll be good. I don't think I'm going to get one yet. Um, but I, I, I would look at Marmot. They're a good brand, tend to have stuff on sale. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. They're a pretty underrated brand. You know, if you look at a lot of the stuff that, like the Alpine performance hunting type sleeping bag stuff, it's really nice and it probably is exactly what you want as a hunter. But, you know, you might be big fans. Like I'm a big fan of Stone Glacier, but I'm just not in a position to yeah. pay that much for and, a high performance sleeping bag. Yeah, I haven't compared, you know, like to me it's, I care about weight and the price. And there's a certain price where like past that I'm like, yeah, more than $400. It's probably hard no. Because it's just, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't care about the ounces, you know? I mean, it's like, I'm thinking about, I'm going to probably be carrying an 80-pound pack. Like, what's another eight ounces? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, I don't know. Like, it just seems a little. It's part of the principle, but it matters too. Like, if you add a little bit of weight to everything, then you're a lot heavier. But if in certain areas, it doesn't necessarily matters that could be the one area in which you indulge a little bit but even like the argument of if you add a little bit everywhere okay so you have like your cook system your swim bag your pad your tent your clothes i mean i don't know if you add half a pound to each of those things that's two and a half pounds like i don't know i mean i see the argument but i'm also like well the amount of weight that you're thinking about carrying when you're on a hunt like two and a half pounds is like okay, why don't you trim your meat a little bit better and then you're down two and a half pounds. Yeah. I think too, part of it is the, I don't know, the perception is when just how you hunt is based mostly on or a lot on how you or who you've been hunting with and what they take. And so there are a lot of people who take just a ridiculous amount of stuff that no one would ever need. So I think the whole watching your ounces to those people is going to make a lot more sense. When uh, we were flying out to do the uh, elk hunt a couple of years ago, uh, we thought we were embarrassed by the amount of stuff that we had. But the guy, the pilot's like, oh, you guys minimalist? You guys uh, just carrying it all with you? I was like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, look at all this stuff. But compared to other people that they mm-hmm. almost had a separate plane just to fly them out on their um, mountain goat hunt because they had a whole cooler for steaks and Gatorade oh, and for, and so, you know, if you backpack people, they want a lot of those conveniences. So. I think we would probably qualify not as maybe minimalist, minimalist, the types of people who cut the handle off their toothbrush. But I do think that we're not super, I don't know, yeah. packing luxuriously. So, um, yeah, yeah. And if, if you do, if it, if the difference in cost between something that's a little bit more high performance, like I bet some of those high end um, mountain hardware or stone glacier sleeping bags are amazing but you know again here we're not camping when it's zero degrees the blacktail rut if we're camping outside it's going to be you know maybe in the 30s yeah so it's not going to get that stinking cold so we might not need something like that i do wonder how they do those ratings too because i feel like since it's so wet and humid here like you need a bag that's rate like I don't know if that's like a dry temperature rating or mm. but anyways. Yeah, a lot of technology. I know they've done some you do tests where if the sleeping bag gets wet, does it still insulate? And there's I mean a whole bunch of other stuff, technology going to it, but I think I'd rather put my t- my the extra 
200 bucks or 150 bucks into something. I definitely want a good sleeping bag. You don't skimp on a good sleeping bag because if you don't yeah. sleep well, it's going to ruin everything. So definitely get a really quality sleeping bag. And I've really been happy with my marmot. So if I get a new one, um, yeah, probably be a marmot list. And get yeah, sale. I guess that's a good point too. On the flip side, it's like, well, it's something that you use. It's like integral to your whole camping system. Yeah. You use it so much. So it's like, I mean, you might as well spend another 200 bucks on it. You know, when you think about all the money that we spend on gas for the vehicle or the boat yeah. and flights and this and that, it's like, well, 200 bucks is... Yeah. And even the difference between your $150 sleeping bag versus a $300 sleeping bag, you're going to look at ounces too. So you yeah. didn't, you're not adding a ton of ounces by going cheaper. You're cutting half the ounces still. And yeah. you're cutting off the price. So it's still in the right direction, I think, both ways. Yeah. But, but I think I could probably convince myself of anything. 100%. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's what I mean. There are <laughs> entire podcasts that do weekly and just talk about gear. That's just, I think the biggest thing is just to look at how you're going to use it um, and the reality of it and make your decisions based on that. Yeah. And based on what our hunting is, it's mostly going to be wet. It's mostly just. Um, a day or two, sometimes longer ones. Like in this area, the vast majority mm -hmm. of our hunting is going to yeah, be that. Pretty. It's not going to be super cold. It's going to be a lot of August and mm -hmm. September um, stuff. This year, going up north, it's going to be interior Alaska during September. So it's going to be definitely a chance of being colder. So it'll be nice to have yeah. a new bag for you and then some clothes underneath. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything... It's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Um, other gear thing we were talking about, another brand that's really, really quality, I like a lot, is the Outdoor Research. Yeah, their clothes. They have uh, that hoodie that we've been wearing. It's like a sun hoodie, base layer type thing. It's mm -hmm. got the, it's not a tight neck, but it's got more fabric around the neck. So when you put the, mm -hmm. the hood up, there's not much exposed skin and there's no yeah. gap between the skin and like the uh, chin and jaw. So you can't get mosquitoes in there, which is really cool. I really like those two brands. Yeah. Um, my favorite jacket I've ever owned is that Outdoor Research. It's like kind of a fleece hoodie with a oh, yeah. like windbreaker shell, but they don't make them anymore. It's so sad. It's so weird. Because it was like the best thing. Yeah. 
but yeah, they make a lot of good stuff. Yeah, they're good. Um, quality. Um, not to say anything bad about some of the other brands out there, but they just seem to work really well. Yeah, it seems like they're just as good as any brand, and they're like probably half the price. Yeah, you don't get the. They don't have the systems like your hunting systems. It's geared to layer together, which is really important. If you don't have mixed match layers, that can really make for uncomfortable things. I remember a couple of times where I had a rain jacket that was wasn't really long enough, and so my layer underneath it was getting wet because the water was running off the yeah. rain jacket onto where my sweatshirt or my hoodie underneath was like an inch longer than my rain jacket. Yeah. So that was horrible. So that's all meant to match each other and layer well. Um, but yeah, shoot, I, again, in our climates and what we're hunting, we don't need that high performing. It's going to be eight degrees the entire time. But I think a lot of it too is your hardcore hunters notice the difference. Your hardcore fishermen know the difference between the premium sage seven weight and, you know, just a kind of a, a good bang for your buck type stuff. But there's a lot of really good technology that goes into it that benefits some really, really extreme hunters. And that might be you, or maybe, you know, you can get something yeah. that's a little bit less and just. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't think I've bought into the gear. Like even with, if you're like a high end, I don't know, ex extreme hunter. I don't know. I just, it's like, well, you could lose half a pound and it would be the same as buying a jacket that's, I don't you know, it's just like, yeah. there's so many other things you could do than throw money at it that. And back in the day, the hardcore hunters were doing everything in wool, which was wet and stinking heavy and yeah. leather boots, so. Well, and even like, you know, like hunting on the ranch in Wyoming, I mean, they would all wear like those like Carhartt jumpsuits because it was so windy and it was so cold and those things just like block everything. Yeah. That was the only, like I would, I would put on all these layers of like all these like high tech, um, outdoor brands and they'd be like, well, are you sure you don't want one of these jumpsuits? And I'd be like, yeah, I do want one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, when I went up North for that winter caribou, uh, hunt, it was negative 30 and Harrison had told me to buy, I was like, you know, what do I need for like snow pants or anything like that? He said, get the refrigerator. And it's stuff that the people on the slope wear. And it was like 150 bucks, 180 bucks. It just stinking works. It's not, yeah. It, I mean, it's, it, I was, I had my puffy pants underneath and I had those as the exterior, but man, I was, it was great. Those things are so nice. And I use them for shoveling snow here. I can be in that and just a long sleeve and be totally warm no matter how cold it is out here. And that's, it's not a high performance, big brand, or it's not a, a big brand name markup it's just a high performance this stuff stinking works you wouldn't yeah. want to hike a mountain in it but it's so good and it was like 180 bucks yeah. well and you wouldn't want to hike a mountain in it because you'd be too warm yeah yeah i mean it's not a knock on the product it's no. like no it just it, and it's for your different market you yeah. know people who just are, are it's your working class people up where it's really really cold this is what you can afford this is what's going to work and this is that's going to be exactly what you want um, so yeah, they, I mean, it doesn't look good for the picture necessarily, but who cares? Mm -hmm. Um, well, gear wise, we got a marmot tent. I really like that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about my pack. I just feel like it doesn't hold enough volume, but I don't know. Yeah. I got that one for you. It's, uh, 
it's more like a day trip type pack. It's nice. I have an yeah. older iteration of the Stone Glacier Sky Talus 69. Is that um, what I have? Under, no, you have the Solo. Okay. Which is an awesome, like, overnighter. Um, but, yeah, when you start getting bulky stuff in there, it starts to, to fill up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those expedition ones, they made a couple changes to it. So when my pack isn't really full, where it buckles on the back, the lid is just kind of floppy and all over yeah. the place. But they, I think they fixed that um, on the more recent one, so it's a lot, a lot cleaner. Because when the the lid kind of flops over, you, you try to ratchet it down as, as tight as you can up top, but it's still there's a gap, and it's just one of those cinch things up top. It's not a zipper or anything like that, so like rain could foreseeably like fall in and, and get in there. But they fixed that, so um, yeah, a slightly bigger one would be good. But the nice thing too is that we could get you a bigger bag and still use the same frame. So you don't yeah. have to get a whole new thing, which is kind of nice with those, mm-hmm. those packs. But um, weather gear stuff. We got a new InReach. It's that old Delorme one I've had for yeah. ever since before Garmin bought InReach. Uh, still have it, but uh, done with that. Yeah. So we got the InReach Mini. After it went off accidentally, we just all those years, all those lost our trips. trust. Yeah. <laughs> It just, I was so paranoid about it for all those years because it just had the little slide. And then once the thing is slide to on, then you can press the button, you can activate it. And I'd never, I'd always checked it, always checked it. And then obviously the one time I don't, it had just slid throughout the season over a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then activated and then battery dies. And then all of a sudden things suck. But I think we talked about that in a previous podcast, didn't we? I think so. Yeah. So activated. Good. Uh, I had friends that responded, which was cool, but it was we were just hunting right behind the house, so it was you know pretty close. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, gear wise. Um, yeah. Really like the. Uh, really like pretty much everything else we got. Yeah. Um, so, camped, looked around. Uh, for deer found some bucks it's hard to tell at this point what they're going to develop into because you can get really excited just because you've seen something mm-hmm. but there's still about a month month and a half ish for uh, antler growth to go so you're looking at some yeah. and are you really excited are those really nice is it does it have good mass or is there's nothing to really compare to and they're still really balled up and you're not seeing where they branched out we didn't see anything that was clearly going to be a monster. Yeah, which we didn't really expect to. No, it was just nice to kind of just get up in the mountains and, and like look for a mature look deer. Is yeah. kind of what I was looking for. Which yeah. I think we saw like three pretty solid mature deer, and then yeah. one was a little bit smaller. Yeah, and I think it's again based on expectation. If you were a trophy hunter, I think you'd be underwhelmed by what we saw. But yeah. uh, based on where we're at, definitely, you know, there's only so many local peaks that you can access with a short boat ride. So it's a uh, let alone road system. You know, there's always, you know, people are going to mm-hmm. spy bucks on the local road system. There's always tales of people going up and getting really nice bucks pretty close to town. And there's always a four point walking around somewhere in town, which is like, dude, what I don't know world? about a four point in town. It seems like once a year, there's a sighting of, Oh, a sighting. Not yeah. like someone gets one. What do you mean? Like, people aren't shooting four points off the mountains behind town. Uh, not that I know of, but there could be. Yeah. I, I mean, I just feel like they get hunted so hard that it's hard for yeah. 
deer to get that old. And I, I mean, from what I've seen, which is fairly limited, it just doesn't seem like our genetics here. It's more like big three points. It's yeah. not the, that fourth. I don't know. A lot of times it, they don't branch that much. Yeah. It's, um, I was talking with Don Bussey about this when I was starting to get out about like, there was a time where I didn't even know that deer shed their antlers. I was like, Oh, all right. Didn't really know that. I don't know. I was like high school or something like that or you know, middle school. Um, but I was like, well, that makes sense. But I just never really you know, thought about it. And so along with that is four points doesn't necessarily mean older. A lot of it can be genetics. And Don said that he flew into a lake that they liked going to, but um, all the four points had been shot. And then after a couple of years going there again, like just nothing was developing past a three by three. And you'd have these really nice, big, mature three by threes, but that was all they were going to be. It wasn't a matter of waiting another year and you get another tine. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, the genetics are, there's some, some pretty good looking quality um, deer mm-hmm. and some also some smaller basket type racks that don't have a lot of mass or width or height, but you know, it's a little compact three by three that's just above the ears. So it's interesting to look around and just kind of part of the, mm-hmm. part of the whole thing. You know, it's not a, I will not shoot a forky or I will not shoot anything unless oh. it's huge. It's just interesting to see and wonder, okay, well, wonder what that uh, is going to branch out to. wonder what that's going to look like in a month. And then also the habits. I don't know why the habits would change. It was July 1st when uh, when we saw the bucks. So we saw them, was it the first? No, yesterday and today. So the second and the third. Yeah. We saw them in the, it was like afternoon more than evening. We well, yeah, because like we went, four well, they were, they were out in the evening though. Yeah. They were out all evening. But, but yeah, we saw them certain pretty early, especially for yeah. it was wasn't super hot, but it was pretty warm. Yeah, it was uh, low 60s. And you tend to think that when it's sunny and, and when warm like that, that it's going to be really that last half hour, first half hour. Um, but yeah, this was 4 o'clock. This was yeah, 5 hours. Yeah, they were all before. up and feeding and yeah. moving. So um wonder how that changes. The feed The feed won't be changing much because you're going to have the the deer cabbage up there and that's going to, yeah. that's going to remain the same. So it's just going to be a matter of whether or not they're going to get pushed off, spooked off or, you know, what's going to happen there. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see, uh, interesting to see the, the game camera footage that we got up there and saw that there was some buck activity in the evening around mm-hmm. six thirty. So this is October. This is November or December, November, December, November, December. So sunset is four, o'clock Somewhere so it's there. after sunset but it's it's evening six thirty ish whereas game cameras we had um different island but not too far away um their activity same time period was midnight 3 a.m yeah um that was all that that buck activity so interesting to see just you know those little habitats you know, what, what, uh, and that's, yeah. you know, that just happened to be the bucks that happened to be moving past, um, at that time. So, you know, we don't have enough mm-hmm. cameras out to really make any sort of definitive call, but it is yeah. interesting to see, um, and maybe reveal some flaw in logic or flaw in the system or I think whatever. it probably just, I mean, I think at least part of it is pressure. Yeah. Um, and then, Yeah. I think, 
I don't know. I think that, especially that time of year, I mean, deer can be up and moving at any time. Mm -hmm. So. They could be rebedding. They can be going up and over as the sun changes. I mean, it could be for all different types of reasons. But, yeah, I think uh, just being out there, I mean, it's the simplest thing. You can't shoot a deer from the couch. So being out there, being willing. And we've talked about how a lot of times we'll go out, or the, the program is, you go out, you hunt the evening, you hunt the next morning on those hot days, then, you know, you either stay another night or you're just coming off the mountain, but sometimes you only have one or two days off. So you get up there, uh, like a weekend program, you get up there, maybe Friday, stay Friday night, hunt hard Saturday and come home Sunday. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that extra, if you can have an extra day and so you're kind of looking around, but I think also there's not a desperation to shoot something, but if you're going big, you go to an area, you're like... I'm not going to go all this way, spend all this time to to come home empty-handed. So. Yeah, but also, you're not going to go all that way to shoot a crab claw. That's true. That's true. I mean, but, yeah, think about some of those crab claws too. You're just not getting a whole lot of meat. Yeah, and they're just of kind too. of a pain. Yeah. They're, <clears throat> there's so much connective tissue in them that. Mm. Yeah, you just gotta. Like your back straps are going to be nice. Tenderloins are going to be small, but the rib meat is going to be nothing there. Trying to cook a shank. Yeah. We got I mean, a lot of shank left. Yeah, we do. Well, not that much because we don't have that much Couple. meat left. But yeah, yeah it's those. It's kind of like you just got to cook like four of them all together. Yeah. Because there's just not much on them. Yeah, they cook down pretty good. Um, so what else did you, uh, observations from our camp out or anything about deer or stuff or program or gear? I don't know. Got me excited to hunt. We got less than a month here. So. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun. It starts to, once you see a couple bucks, you just think that could be a good spot, but who knows who's going to go up there beforehand. Yeah. I mean, all it would take would be to someone else for someone else to kind of find that spot or wolves to move through or, you know, who yeah. knows so many different things can, can impact that. Uh, weather was like you said, it was warm, but it wasn't hot. It's going to be hot the rest of this week. And it was hot a couple of years ago when it went up top. And so it was, or last year mm-hmm. where it was like scorching hot right off the bat. So it was only right at, at sunup we saw those those deer and then through the day like we saw nothing else except mosquitoes yeah it's like one doe that was really really tentative and didn't really like being out but yeah 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 we'll see we'll see if we even get back there to hunt or if we go somewhere else yeah yeah but it was fun yeah, it's nice to have a spot that you know that you can probably get to. You should have done some research, and mm-hmm. most days you'd be able to get to that and hunt that. So that's good. But, yeah, it's kind of fun to figure it out and, yeah, get out there. So, all right, we'll call that uh, this episode. Thanks for uh, listening. You should check out uh, On Step Alaska. Change the name of, of this podcast and also the website. On Step Alaska is the name of the website. You can order my book, Beyond the Hunt, and um, check out other updates of living in Alaska. Thanks for listening.